Hello and welcome to Thank You Come Again. This is an e-commerce podcast sponsored by Wonderment, where we dive into the actual strategies that leading D2C brands are using to not only make their customers come back and buy again, but have the best possible customer experiences. I'm Blake and Burl. I started my career as a retention marketer, and now I'm focused on being a shepherd of knowledge for you and others on all things retention marketing. You won't find any top 10 guru guides here. Instead, I want you to walk away from each episode with battle-tested and actionable insights that's going to help you to move a needle forward and driving repeat business. So make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this week's episode of Thank You, Come Again. Today, we're going to be talking about the answer to two of the biggest problems since iOS 14 for customer acquisition, and that is ad fatigue and rising ad costs. The answer is a strategy called performance PR. And yes, this 100% plays into getting folks to come back and buy again. I promise we'll make the connection throughout this. But with me today is the man who I'm going to go out and say has coined this term in D2C e-commerce, and that is Jonathan Snow, COO over at the Snow Agency. John, how are you, my friend? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Blake. Yeah, super stoked to have you here, man. I'm really excited to dive into this. But before we get into performance PR, who is Jonathan Snow and who is the Snow Agency? Yeah, so uh, Jonathan Snow, um, been in the space for close to a decade now, actually got started on the influencer and affiliate side, built a affiliate marketing platform for organic social media pages that then we leveraged to start launching our own Shopify brands, utilizing influencer marketing and driving traffic purely through influencer and by launching and scaling close to 10 brands of our own we obviously had to become experts of the entire shopify ecosystem um, and that's everything from the influencer marketing how we got started to the paid media to the retention marketing to performance creative to website design and development to the proper shopify tech stack um, and we had essentially started building our own agency without realizing it just to service our own brands that we owned. And um, you know that's when we started building a name for ourselves in the space and uh, brands started coming to us, asking us to run all of the marketing strategies for them, much like we were doing for our own brands. And that's how the Snow Agency was born. Um, you know, so we've been an agency for over three years now, Shopify Plus partners, specializing obviously in the direct to consumer space. And um, that's where we're at today, pretty much a full service agency doing all the paid media, do the influencer marketing, the retention marketing, and we have a content production studio as well, where we do all the raw creative assets, product photography, videography, and uh, website design and development. That's a super impressive background and definitely, you know, spanning both sides of, you know, obviously doing this with the brands that you have, but then also, you know, we're doing all the services as well for, for your clients. Um, you know, I was a pleasure working with the snow agency at attentive, um, and now going to work again with you guys. I wonder it's super awesome as well. So, um, couldn't, couldn't agree more with all of that. Um, well, you know, 2021, 2022 were plastered with themes of Facebook is dead. iOS 14 wrecked customer acquisition. CAC customer acquisition cost is through the roof. And as a result, it's time to go all in on retention. Uh, the list goes on and on. I could just continue to uh, name buzzwords probably for a while here, but customer retention doesn't matter if there are no customers to retain. So John, could you just give like an overview um, from your side of the house? Like why is performance across ads down today? Like where are we? What's been happening? Um, you know, just kind of any general thoughts there. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's funny how kind of the past few years have played out. Um, so obviously we went from the period, which I call the COVID euphoria, 
Uh, and that's where there was you know, extra money flowing, stimulus checks were getting printed, people were at home because they couldn't leave their houses during COVID, they were shopping, they were doing retail therapy on their couch with all this excess money um, you know, that they were getting from, whether it be the government or just you know, savings stacking up because they weren't traveling, they weren't going out to bars and restaurants and whatnot. Now they just had more leisure dollars to spend. And obviously e-commerce as an industry saw a ton of growth during that time period. It was so easy to just, you know, get the performance. It was like almost like having Black Friday or Black November throughout an entire year almost. Um, and we went from that really high high and then iOS 14, you know, came down about a year and a half ago. iOS 14 obviously made things a lot trickier. And that was also in the same time period when those stimulus checks started drying out and, uh, you know, things started opening back up and people weren't at home shopping. They didn't have as much money to spend. And then iOS 14 made attribution super hard. Um, and the thing with iOS 14 that everyone kind of forgets, attribution is only one of the things that iOS 14 really made difficult. Um, it's also performance. When the pixel or the algorithm couldn't attribute orders properly, it affected performance of that algorithm because we're getting a ton of false negatives and the pixel cannot track who is purchasing. If someone actually did purchase and the pixel didn't realize that person purchased, it'll, you know, the algorithm will try to find people that don't look like that person. So it really threw a feedback loop between the ad platform and what's actually happening on the websites into a state of disarray. So that really made customer acquisition costs volatile. Um, and that made obviously acquiring new customers much more difficult, unpredictable. And then in 2022, even with iOS 14, the macro economy hit. Um, and so in my opinion, that actually had a much bigger impact on kind of the down year we saw in 2022 than iOS 14. I think iOS 14 and the platforms have made a lot of developments since it rolled out about a year and a half ago. But those developments have really been masked by reduced consumer spending um, and consumer behavior. When interest rates go up, the economy starts becoming unpredictable and kind of dark as it's been in 2022, consumers are much more conservative with where they're going to spend those budgets. So if they're on their couch and they see a cool product and it's an impulse purchase, they might think twice. They might think three times. They might never purchase at all, or they might just be waiting six months until they know they get a deal on Black Friday for that product. And that's especially totally. true of those kind of like luxury items. And we saw during Black Friday, Cyber Monday, high AOV brands actually had the biggest spikes. And that was likely due to the macro shifts that we were seeing. Yeah, a lot of great stuff to unpack there. But I think you're, you know, you're spot on in saying too, you know, obviously you know, iOS 14 had a lot of impact on this, but the macroeconomic climate of where we're at, you know, 2022 was tumultuous in a lot of ways. Um, but I think it's also very indicative of kind of where we're at right now, heading into 2023, even too. Um, and it's sort of, I think, shifted the narrative a little bit now of prioritization for e-commerce brands and what they're thinking about. Um, and one of the you know solutions to this and something that you know, you've been really um, you know, working with clients on, I'm sure, is this performance PR angle. And I, I'd love for you to unpack that a little bit more if you can like what is performance pr and in, in broad strokes um and then let's kind of you know dive into it from there absolutely so performance pr is a tactic that we have been using since before we were even an agency so basically what it is it's combining what you know today as pr um you know and performance and you merge them together so as we know pr there's a lot of weaknesses the great thing about pr in general is that you can kind of get your 
brand message, whatever you story you want to tell into the hands of different media publishers. And then they publish this narrative that you essentially want to get to the hands of the consumers. But the issues with conventional PR is that a lot of it is not trackable, doesn't generate you know, a high return on investment. And it's kind of that black box of, you know, is this actually even worth spending on? Um, and so what we did, we took all of the positives about PR, but put an acquisition play on it. We essentially launched our own media publisher websites. One of them is the dailypost.co. One of them is smartbrandreviews.com. The other one is glamthoughts.com. So we basically, basically built three different publisher websites that we thought had a certain niche audience that kind of differed in, in certain ways. And what we did for our own brands and now what we're doing for a lot of our clients, we're publishing advertorials on those publisher websites. And we are then running the actual ads from the publisher's social media pages. And we're actually also running Google ads to the, the publisher articles as well. And the problem with paid media today has been ad fatigue and it's been higher CPM. So the ad costs are rising. Um, and this actually combats both of those things. So the great thing about performance PR and running ads through the publisher's social media page, imagine you're seeing, you know, you're on your Facebook timeline and you're just scrolling through and you see an ad from the daily post. You probably might not know that's an ad. You think it's content that's native to the platform. So you're going to be a little more inclined to stop, see what that article is about, especially when the article is either you know, there's, we have many different formats for the articles that we put on the performance PR sites. Two of the best ones are focusing on the problem or a pain point that your brand could solve. So let's just take a gut health brand, for example, and I'll show an example shortly, but um, say the pain point is bloating or brain fog or indigestion, kind of symptoms of, of an issue that you have. And you have, and you see an article on your timeline I was dealing with bloating, brain fog, and fatigue for you know years and years until I discovered this one solution. If you happen to be one of the 30 to 40% of the population that deals or resonates with that problem, you've stopped because you, you, you identify that problem and you're gonna click through, you're gonna engage with it, you're gonna share that to all of your friends that also deal with similar problems as you or have similar interests. And um, the engagement rates go way up, the click-through rates get go way up. And when Facebook sees that the engagement rates are high, the click-through rates are high, they will actually reward you with lower CPMs. So the issue with high ad costs actually kind of goes away. This is one of the solutions by gamifying the algorithm to give you lower CPMs and also to give you higher click-through rates. So when you have higher click-through rates and lower cost for the traffic, your cost per click goes way down, and now that's how you unlock new performance. Today's episode of the Tega Podcast is brought to you by Wonderment, the easiest way to proactively set expectations on shipping timeframes, automatically update customers with delays, and measure shipping expectation versus reality across the business. Wonderment is a retention Swiss Army knife used by hundreds of leading Shopify merchants, including The Ridge, Boxu, Igloo, Feastables, Jones Road Beauty, and more. Whether you're looking to improve your customer experience, retention marketing, or both, Wondermint will turn your post-purchase shipping experiences into a channel that helps to bring your customers back again and again. Tyka podcast listeners can receive a free trial of Wondermint by visiting wondermint.com demo and let them know that Blake sent you. And now, back to the show. There's so much good stuff there, man. It's, it's honestly just a really, really creative and genius approach to, I think, getting folks engaged at the top of the funnel 
getting them to, you know, understand too, like, as you mentioned, you're like, you know, they're going to want to solve a problem that they have that pain point. They're going to want to read more. It doesn't feel like they're being sold to initially. And it really, again, I think creates a lot of confidence in that decision too. If like they're going to this advertorial, it's talking about products that are going to solve that problem. And if your product happens to be that first recommended one, like, I'm going to want to go with that one, not, you know, product five or six down the list. So it totally just kind of like, brings them into that brand ecosystem in a way that, you know, is brand marketing plus the performance PR side of it as well. Sorry, the performance side of it as well. Um, can we walk through one of these then and kind of Absolutely. see like what that funnel looks like? Absolutely. I'm going to share my screen here. Awesome. All right. So this is basically a landing page that we have for our service and we can share out this link after the podcast so you can go through it at your own uh, leisure. But essentially, here are the three publishers that I had just alluded to, the Daily Post, Glam Thoughts, and Smart Brand Reviews. We have some results over here, which I'll refer to in a minute. But just so you can visualize what the funnel looks like, here on the left, you'll see an ad, which is coming from the Daily Post. You know, it says sponsored there. But um, this one in particular is a top five roundup for anti-bloating. So... We basically pitch this as looks like a news article. You know, the publisher Daily Post is giving a little stat up there showing that 30% of the population experiences bloating symptoms. Here are the top five, uh, you know, anti-bloating supplements out on the market today. And then when you click through, you're going to land on the publisher website. So as you see here in the middle, that's actually the advertorial on the Daily Post website. The top slot is sponsored. We have advertiser disclosures on here to show that this, this article does have sponsors. And by nature, if you're on a top five article, consumers are obviously going to scroll through all the options, but they're most inclined to click on that first one. So they see here the brand Clora is rated the number one anti-bloating supplement. Then that link will take them to the brand's website where the purchase will take place. So the unique thing here is that before actually Chloro was even running performance PR ads, you know, the engagement rates were super low. It was a brand new brand on the market. No one ever heard of it. And quite honestly, when people are scrolling through their timeline, they don't really care about the brand as much as they care about themselves. So when we were running ads for Chloro and we we're like, here's Chloro, meet, you know, this bloat digest formula that can help you and this and that. People just see it's an ad and scroll right past it. Thumb stop rate is low, click through rates are low. Cost per click is super high. But then as soon as we started running this from the daily post, engagement rates went way up because this wasn't geared towards Clora at all. Clora is not even mentioned in the ad copy. It's not mentioned in the headline. All we're talking about is the problem. And that's what we're selling is the solution to bloating. And that's why people are most interested. And this was kind of like the way that we unlocked performance for Clora, which within three months after launching these performance PR funnels, went to 100,000 in MRR just from this one tactic alone. That's and amazing. I, I'm so just to kind of recap even too. So like what we've seen so far, you know, the, the way that they kind of come into this ecosystem, it's, it's a meta, TikTok, Google ad, whatever it is, you know, they see this, you know, it's sort of that whitelisted from the publisher social page, go to the advertorial, and then from there, go into that PDP. It's sort of just that logical evolution of, you know, creating um, awareness, they're seeing the product, and then they're really going and taking action on that. That's really cool, man. I, what's um, this is this is one angle here, but are there any other angles that we could take in in this as well? Like I know you mentioned two of them, but I'm curious if there are any other angles that you typically right, might approach with this too. So there are right here are eight 
different angles that have proven to work the best for us, but there's far more than eight. And generally, so we have a first person testimonial angle, which is awesome. Um, it's kind of like I tried, uh, like, for example, if it's a bloating, I tried this bloating supplement for 90 straight days and here's my honest review. It's kind of like their social proof take on, on the, on the article. Then there's brand versus competitor. Let's just say, you know, Nike versus Adidas. Here's our winner after we tried the new running shoe. Um, there's a top five category roundup, which we just reviewed. Then there's top pick in the category. So let's just say we're at the conclusion of 2022. Um, you know, we tried numerous bloating supp anti-bloating supplements throughout the year. Here's our top pick. Um, so that's a great roundup for top pick. Then we have product review, which speaks for itself. Problem X, solution Y, as we mentioned before, it's, you know, I've been dealing with bloating or, you know, whatever it may be, or weight gain for, for years and years and years. Here's a solution that I found worked for me best. Five reasons why listicle, like five reasons why you should try an anti-bloating supplement or five reasons why you should, you know, supplement your multivitamins with, you know, gut health regimen. Um, and there's a founder story, which is interesting. If a brand has a prominent founder, a celebrity or an athlete or someone that's noteworthy or has an influence, we kind of just sell it as a, a founder story. How, uh, you know, Brad Pitt launched that rosé, um, you know, give the story behind the brand in the eyes of the founder. That makes it relatable and adds the social proof behind the founder story. Totally. Now, those are eight fantastic angles to take. And I'm, I'm curious too, like when someone comes to, to snow to work with you on something like this, like how do you typically approach sort of like building the strategy around this, building the funnel? Like um, just kind of curious, like how you would approach even thinking about like what is the best angle um, to take or are you testing some of these out? Like how, how does that sort of look? Yeah. So generally we'll do a discovery call and um you know, usually it's crystal clear what the brand's unique value props are or what problem their, their products solve. Um, but we like to hear from the eyes of the brand what makes their product special, what's the number one, number two, number three reason why people are buying these. Um, and then we figure out, you know, do you have a prominent founder? Do you have a prominent influencer or a face of the brand? And then we decide what's the best first path to take. Is the number one unique selling prop the influencer or the founder or is it, you know, such and such problem? That's usually how we'll uncover where we'll start. Um, if there's nothing super cool, let's just say it's like a fashion brand. Let's say it's women's sunglasses. What works really well is the top pick in the category and also the top five category roundup. So it's like, imagine um, here are our top five women's sunglasses for summer of 2022. If you're a woman and you're in the market for sunglasses right before the summer, I guarantee there's like a 30% chance you are clicking through just to, even if you're curious, let's say you're not in the market and you have sunglasses you love, I'm pretty sure you'd be curious to kind of click through and see what other people think are the top, you know, trendiest sunglasses for summer that's right around the corner. Um, totally. And so, yeah, there's usually a best model that fits for certain brands. A lot of these can fit for every brand, but uh, usually we'll start with kind of like unique selling props. Awesome. Now that's super, super great. And what do you think, um, you know, in terms of creative for this, I know you kind of mentioned like uh, even in that first, um, you know, when they see this ad, um, you know, having something that is whitelisted from like the publisher's page uh, is creative really important here. Is copy more important or both just as important? Like, what do you think about that? Yeah. So all the above, um, the copy is extremely important, like a long form advertorial page. You want it to tell a story. You don't want it to be overly scientific. You want it to be very relatable. But when it comes to increasing click-through rates, you need to make it 
look like it's not an ad. That's the key. That's like the foundation behind this is this is an ad that does not appear as an ad. And that's why the engagement rates are so high. So with the creative, you need to keep that in mind. You do not want to use highly polished or like branded creative. Generally, you want it to look kind of almost like a stock image and it might look really ugly. I know people out there saying ugly ads are the best ads. And I actually agree with that, especially for performance PR. Totally. Um, and so you'll notice that the creatives we're using are not polished. They're not overly edited. They're not really, honestly, not even much video unless it's a kind of an influencer video creative format, which I can get into in a minute. Um, but yeah, you, you want to make it just kind of look like it's a, a blog publishing something. Yeah, totally. And I, I think that's a really good point as well on the, um, you want to make it seem like they're not really being sold to at first, like they're getting a lot of value out of clicking through, they're interested, there's that curiosity kind of component of it. And naturally, this evolves, I think, through the funnel. Um, can we dive into that influencer uh, is it a strategy that you mentioned there too? I'd love to yeah. hear more about that. Yeah, so a great angle that's worked really well has been a green screen, actually, of kind of like a discovery story. So you get a, an influencer or a creator and they tell the story for how they found a brand. So they can do a green screen with literally the article in the background and them taking you through it. So let's just say for this example, an influencer tells the story. I was browsing the internet the other day and uh, you know I, I was dealing with bloating, brain fog and fatigue and I stumbled upon this one article of the top five anti-bloating supplements. And I, by nature, I was extremely interested because it's a problem I've been trying to solve for so long. And I happened to click through. I went through these. I discovered some of these brands I heard of. But ultimately, the first slot, that brand, I wanted to go with the best product. And so I went through. I came to this brand's website. I purchased. And, you know, I've been taking it ever since. And I just wanted to share with you guys my story. If any of you are kind of dealing with the same issues, highly encourage us. You check out this brand and blah, blah, blah. And so that influencer angle, telling their story of how they discovered that article is, is a very unique angle and works well. That's a great, yeah, the influencer angle, definitely. That's a, that's a really creative approach to it as well. And I think also, um, you know, just being able to tap into like that, it's like social proof in a lot of ways that they're seeing the result of it from that influencer as well. And, and being able to go and find the product after that too. Um, I know I would buy it if I saw something like that. And that definitely yeah. gets me a lot of the time. And when we run the ads, you know, with the influencer angle, we'll actually whitelist it from the influencers page. So it doesn't look like it's coming from the publisher, then it's clearly an ad, right? So you have to think about the storytelling angle, if it makes more sense to run it from, you know, the influencers page or the publishers page. Absolutely. Something I'm thinking throughout this too, um, you know, obviously like you're capturing a lot of clicks, you know, a lot of the, the metrics that are looking fantastic. You're getting a lot of people to the site from this. What about people who don't convert uh, on day one? Are you doing any special like retargeting funnels that are unique to these performance, you know, PR like angles? Are they typically getting, you know, like what, what does that sort of look like? Yeah. So we will retarget, um, you know, people that didn't click through uh, all the way to the brand's website. And if they just visited one of these PR articles, you know, we can create retargeting audiences based on the URL that they visited and then retarget those people with different PR angles. Let's just say you have four different advertorials. Let's say you have one on Glam Thoughts, one on Smart Brand Reviews, one on the Daily Post, but they only saw the Daily Post one. You can hit that retargeting audience with another media publisher's art, publishing either the same angle or a different story related to the same problem. 
And now it's subconsciously embedding that idea into the user's head. But then you could also retarget from the brand's page as well. So if you keep kind of like building that awareness for the problem and the brand and then serving them with that same message from different sources, it, it, it slowly but surely creeps into the head of the user and they become more and more inclined to purchase because they're like, wow, I'm seeing this everywhere. I need to purchase now or I'm like more intrigued. Then they get the FOMO effect and, and then it works. Absolutely. I think um, that's really a great call out too, is that, you know, they're seeing the product in multiple different places that like, in a lot of ways, like I, I think about like, you know, conventional, you know, paid performance and, and kind of like the funnel that looks like, you know, they, you know, it is totally definitely still works, but it's like, typically they see some ad that really doesn't t- tell too much about like why they should buy. Maybe it just gets them interested to come to the site. They opt into the email list and now they're trying to be sold over email, SMS. They're chasing them in all these different ways. Um, and it sort of like does a lot of that work before even having to get to that stage of like you're capturing their their address or their, their SMS or maybe they even just buy, um, you're sort of getting a lot of the education out of the way and creating that trust or seeing it on all these different pages too. Um, it's a really great approach, man. And I'm curious, like why why do you think and like not as many brands are doing, I mean, I know some are doing this, but why do you think not everyone is doing this right now? Like if this works so well, like why is not everyone doing this strategy yet? Honestly, I don't think it's a mainstream strategy yet. Um, it's kind of what influencer whitelisting was a couple of years ago. Not a lot of people were doing it. Maybe the, the forward thinking marketers were onto it for years and years and years. And once word gets out about publisher whitelisting, which I know some really savvy marketers have been using this tactic for years, but sure. once it goes mainstream, people are more aware. I guarantee this will be a new best practice before you know the, the arbitrage opportunity for this style is right now because consumers, you know, are, they're not getting hit with publisher ads all day. Like they are with influencer whitelisting. Absolutely. I think the opportunity is, is still there to be, you know, one of the early movers, as you mentioned, you know, folks might have been doing this already, but I, I think it's a really bold prediction. I think you're absolutely right in saying, um, that this is something that I think we're going to continue to see more and more of, but, um, I'd love to hear you as well, kind of speak about, you know, I'm sure folks are listening, thinking about, Hey, can I do this myself? Should I work with an agency like snow to do this? Why is it so important to work? with an agency like Snow when implementing um, a strategy like this? It's a great question. And I would say it really just boils down to resources. Um, and so if you're working at a brand or you, know, or you own a brand, to actually launch your own media publisher website, set up all the analytics, the UTM tracking, and kind of build out the whole funnel and make sure everything ties together, it's, a, it's an extremely big lift. Um, you know, it's been something that we've been building for years and are still optimizing today. We're at an extremely solid point right now, but it took a lot of time and energy and resources to get to where it is now. So if you're going to run this yourself, you definitely could, but then you also don't have the years of best practices that we have developed internally, not just from the different types of advertorials, the different types of copy, the angles to take, but also just the administrative side of, of kind of supporting different publisher sites, having, you know, a website manager, a content manager, and coordinating all the pixels and the tracking, it's extremely difficult. And I would say it's not worth your time or trying to build it out internally. When you have an agency that's been doing this in a streamlined for years and years and years, you can get through a lot of those potential issues and obstacles, um, you know, without any friction. Totally. I think if you want, you know, the fast pass, the cheat code, if you will, I mean, it definitely makes a lot of sense to just, you know, work with, you know, someone like Snow, who's really, proven this out has all the resources there, you know, allows you to continue focusing on what you're already doing, but then, you know, implementing that into your, your, uh, your current strategies as well. It makes, it makes total sense, man. And I fully agree with you. And I'm curious, um, I didn't get to ask this, but I want to, before we move on as well, 
benefits wise of doing this obviously we're talking a lot about acquisition all the great benefits on the you know the, the pr i mean the uh the paid side of things but is there any other benefits to advertorial say like seo for example and just having the brand show up more organically in search for example yeah absolutely um organic and paid actually so what where this works we i'll start with paid first and then we can get into organic sure. paid search non-brand keywords so let's just say people are googling you know bloating supplements or they're, they're typing the problem they're looking to solve and you show up as like top five bloating articles people are gonna you know top five bloating supplements and they'll click through it they're the people that were searching for those non-branded terms they weren't even aware of the brand flora what they saw as number one slot on this you know neutral media publishers website and they go in and they buy works really well on paid that way then over time your articles will start building organic value as well so we've had clients where they've been on you know the top five article or they've had their first person testimonial uh type advertorial from one of the publisher's websites appear organically on that first page of search when people are typing either about the problem or the brand name you know a lot of these things let's just say someone's googling chlora and they see all of the different you know, reviews or, you know, review advertorials, first person testimonials coming from different sites other than Clora. It builds that brand reputation organically, too, because they're not just taking Clora's reviews on their own website kind of as face value. They're also seeing other positive reviews from different publishers. So it builds that credibility, that social proof. And over time, like I mentioned, the publisher websites get a decent amount of traffic there will be a lot of organic value derived long-term. So it's not just like a short-term performance play. It's kind of a brand awareness play that will build your organic value too. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of great benefit from that. Yeah, on the paid side, as you mentioned, and organic too. And I think something I think about as myself as a consumer, you know, like if I'm looking at a D2C brand considering a purchase, if I Google it and I see all these different things as well and all these different things are coming up, there's reviews in other places, testimonials, like all these like advertorials as well. It just creates a lot of confidence that I'm buying the right product as well, um, which is another great added benefit of this strategy as well. Um, you talked a lot about you know some some in, uh, verticals I guess that work really well with this. You know, supplements, beauty, cosmetics, um, apparel. Are there any verticals that might not work for a performance PR angle like this, or could any D2C brand do this? Honestly, it's a plug and play solution for any brand. You know, even if you're, like I mentioned before, if it's a brand that has no problem that it's solving for, let's say it's not a functional product, it's just fashion or whatever it may be. Um, that's where the top five category roundups, there's always an angle in performance PR that will plug and play to any e-commerce brand. Nice. Uh, I totally agree with you. I think, you know, it's definitely a plug and play solution and has a lot of benefits, um, you know, for anyone considering this. And um, I'd love to kind of now draw a little bit of a parallel to retention, if we will, and see if there's a correlation maybe there. Um, it seems to me, you know, like we talked a lot about building confidence, making, you know, the, the consumer feel like this is the right product for them or having some of the, you know, the influencer stuff, as well as you mentioned, or any of these angles really creating confidence in the purchase. Um, how do you think performance PR then might influence customer retention? Are these better customers that we're acquiring maybe in theory then? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's twofold. You're acquiring more serious customers because if they're willing to go through that journey, you know, from a third party website, then they're sold on kind of the, the value props of your brand. Now that and you've already built that trust before the purchase, then they purchase, you have a user that's more likely to stick with you, higher lifetime value. But also on the retention side, um, you can use a lot of these advertorials in retention campaigns. So it builds brand awareness. Hey, check out our new article. We were ranked, you know, the top product of 2022. Or hey, check out, you know, 
this, uh, this journey, this story from one of our customers about how the product solved a certain problem for them. Or you could even you know, publish articles that would make sense from a retention perspective on a use case. Hey, if you haven't used this product for such and such uses, or let's just say it's a food product, here's a new recipe, a hot new recipe utilizing our, our product or our flavor that you guys should make on Christmas. You can kind of publish advertorials however you want to see fit to tell the story you want in your retention marketing efforts. Totally. Yeah, there's a great call on the retention side as well. I wasn't thinking about that, but a lot of benefit there too. Um, this has been great, John. I really appreciate you walking me through this. As we kind of wrap up, um, you know, and shifting gears, uh, I want to ask one more question broadly on, on paid, if, if you will, while I've got you here. Um, and that's, I'd love to understand more of paid media's job, um, you know, like after, you know, you acquire the customer and, and does paid media's job stop after you get the first purchase or is there something more that you think paid can or should be doing post-purchase with the customer? Like, is it all up to the retention team after they've gotten the customer or are you thinking about other things that paid could come influence on that, um, repeat purchase? Yeah. So paid, that's a great question. I think the marketing teams are bleeding together more and more and more. If we have a dichotomy between paid retention, creative, that's where the largest issues happen. I think all teams need to be aware of what each team is doing and make sure you have a frictionless journey start to finish, but then not just from that first purchase, but the journey after the first purchase to the next purchase. And then the next purchase, you need to have kind of like that full funnel approach. So Paid media, I think for years and years, the, the marketers were kind of media buyers and they were just stuck in the ad platform and they were like, I'm day trading in the ad platform and trying to hack my way to growth. That kind of stuff doesn't work anymore. The paid strategists now, they need to understand everything beyond the click. So what's happening on the website? How do I improve conversion rate? How do I improve average order value? How do I get higher value customers in the door? How do I communicate all of this to you know either the creative team or the retention team? to make sure that everything I envision is executed down the funnel and throughout the life cycle of that customer. Um, so I think it's important that paid strategists now understand the retention side, especially if they're gonna be running retargeting ads. Um, obviously that's a retention play if we're trying to get existing customers to cross sell them with you know, different products or have them to purchase again in return. So it's, I think it's more important than ever to kind of like let those bleed together and understand every level and have that like open line of communication to your other teams. It's so, so critical. I think you're absolutely right in saying that. And I, I think about, um, you know, I just had, um, you know, two folks from Jones Road Beauty, Joanne um, and, and Eli from Jones Road Beauty on, they were talking about customer experience and retention collaborating. But I think also like retention and paid, having that sort of like one and two kind of communication and, and the feedback loops between the entire team is so important. And you're absolutely right. I mean, it's not just about like the click. There's so much more that happens after and having insight into that. Um, I definitely think it's a big you know, thing that we're seeing more and more. I think about as I was leaving the agency world, kind of I saw a lot of that happening more and more. But I remember like in the early days, it was um, a lot of siloedness and, and paid really just was, yeah, trying to day trade and kind of have that kind of like, you know, philosophy of like, let's just get leads and, and, and figure out the rest later. So I think you're absolutely right in saying that. Um, and it's really great to, to hear um, that. Do you have any other bold predictions for 2023? Things you're super bullish on? Um, would love to hear about that. Yeah, um, I would say uh, publisher whitelisting obviously is my number one. That's what we talked about today, performance PR. But um, there's a few, I would say, I would say 
Post-purchase, like what we just talked about, is one of the most important things out there, collecting zero-party, first-party data. Um, and that actually just, we just picked up that conversation, kind of customer experience, strategizing with retention and paid. Why are collecting the information from your consumers themselves? Why did they purchase the product? And then how do we use all of that data our customers are sharing with us, zero-party data, and turn that into different marketing angles or campaigns in the future? So that's bringing that whole feedback loop whole. Um, and that way you create better experiences for your existing customers. You're finding new customers that are more likely to purchase based on what your existing customers already told you. Um, so I think zero party data, collecting that, even zero party attribution. Um, there's post-purchase survey company, no commerce, which does a phenomenal job with that, where the customers are self-reporting where they came from. And then you can merge that with the data the platforms are telling you, um, either the platform or third-party solutions like Triple Whale and Northbeam and blending zero first and third party attribution all together to get the true story, right? Sure. You should never listen to what the platform's telling you. You shouldn't listen to what a UTM is telling you. You should listen to that plus that plus what the customers are telling you to get the full story, right? Um, so zero party data collection is one of my big ones. Uh, the next one actually is cash back. So coupon codes, discount codes are very destructive for a brand. And honestly, for your consumers, if they know that you're going to be giving out discount codes heavily or, um, you know, you're giving out discount codes on your welcome series pop up rather than always eating that discount code full value. 100 percent of the time someone signs up for the welcome series, they're purchasing with that, you know, 20 percent off offer you gave them. And now for the second purchase, if they don't have that 20 percent off again, then they're kind of hesitant. Should I do this again? Should I not? Should I wait for another deal? Um, and you're going to lose that discount, you know, that discounted revenue 100 percent of the time sure. cash back. Fondue is a great uh, tech out there for that, that enables this. What we're seeing on our brands right now in our testing, in the pop-up at least, we're getting way higher sign-up rates for email and SMS when people see cash back as the offer instead of a discount code. So we're building our retention marketing list, but also roughly half of the people that get the cash back offer in their welcome series never actually redeem it after the purchase. So instead of cannibalizing that money on that sale you're the brand gets to keep roughly 50 percent of that that discounted value in their own bank account right and all of your purchases now are full value not discounted so your revenue is higher you know you're getting more profit because now the the cash back you're paying out is only half of what the discount would have been um, and then 25 percent of the people half don't redeem it 25 percent redeem it as a form of store credit so you're increasing customer lifetime value Without giving any money back so now they took store credit you didn't give them a discount and they're returning to purchase again utilizing that store credit you just issued them and then the other 25 percent actually redeem the visa gift card um so at the end of the day when you compare discounts to uh the cash back 75 percent reduction in kind of like what the brand is losing and giving back to the consumer so that's another i think that's going to be a new best practice for retention marketing going forward and we'll see a lot more of that being integrated into paid media efforts as well we had some clients running cashback offers in their Black Friday sales store-wide. They weren't giving discounts. They weren't discounting the products on the store, but they were giving 30% cash back on all purchases. That's awesome. I love that cashback uh, prediction as well. I think you're spot on in saying that. I, I would love nothing more than to see discount codes on email and SMS signups kind of go away um, or, or definitely die down and see more cashback incentives like that. I even think about like, you know, like example, like uh, me using my credit cards to buy stuff and getting that cash back is another incentive for me too. But I know that even that's so small seeing a larger incentive too for consumers and then coming back and buying again. Like 
I'm sure we could do a whole other episode at some point about yeah. that too. I definitely got some more questions for you on that. Uh, but John, this has been fantastic, man. I super appreciate all the insight, uh, performance PR, and then even getting more here with some bold predictions too. It's been awesome. Um, where can folks go to, to get in touch with you in the Snow Agency? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter and LinkedIn. I try to share as many insights as I possibly can with everybody in the community. I firmly believe this is a community where, you know, collaboration, cooperation and sharing is what gets e-commerce from 20% of overall retail to 50% plus. So I really try to live that true. So if you want to follow along with the tactics, the results that we're seeing at the Snow Agency, just give me a follow on Twitter at Dr. Jonathan Snow, LinkedIn, just Jonathan Snow. And, uh, you know, feel free to DM me. You could shoot me an email, John at the snowagency.com. Happy to help in any way we can. And uh, yeah, you could reach out directly to me as well if you want to start working with the snow agency and use some of the tactics we shared today. Amazing. I'll link out to all that in the show notes and, and great call out to you on the community. I would love nothing more than to see us, you know, get to that 50% mark and we're all in this together on that. Um, but definitely we'll link out to that in the show notes. And if you want to get in touch with Snow Agency on the performance PR angle, highly recommend you do. Um, can't recommend them enough. But John, we'll have to have you on the show again really soon. Probably talk more about discount codes and, and some of the cashback incentives as well. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Blake. It was fun.